0: This is Fly with Steve Chico and Craig Forsythe Welcome back to fly perfectly under quarantine. I am Steve. Chico. This is Craig Forsythe, and we are here to talk about a single flyers topic for the next hour or so. Craig, how is it going today, buddy? I think we're what, uh, almost two months into quarantine at this point. Day
1: 5,038 into the uh, quarantine and, uh, Steve, I'm feeling it, but, uh, I am excited to talk about hockey and, uh, I mean, it's a topic I can relate to today that we'll be talking about. So I'm ready to uh, rattle off some of these flyers that we, uh, you know, expected maybe a little bit more out of uh, over the last uh, few years or so. A few years being, I guess, like 30 years or so. Yeah.
0: Much like the haircuts you've all given yourselves during quarantine. (laughs) Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: We're talking about disappointment today. We're talking about the most disappointing flyers. It says in history, but frankly, we're, it, much like with favorite goals, it's the most disappointing Flyers that we can remember that we can think of. And yes. unfortunately for you fans of the 80s Flyers and the Broad Street Bullies, we don't really know who was disappointing of those teams. We, yeah, well. we
1: yeah, we weren't around to see who really annoyed everybody, uh, all the other Flyers fans. So, But 90s on, uh, yeah, we got gotcha. you. Uh, we can piece together some uh, names that really pissed us off, or we expected more out of. so.
0: We got some names, guys who gotta do a better job.
1: Oh man, yeah, let's let's get that going. Let's add an Andy Reid impression onto the list of names we're gonna remind everybody of right here. uh, (laughs) Because looking at it, it's not it's gonna be a frustrating podcast because uh, some of these big names. I mean, goddamn.
0: There are God, a lot of big yeah. names on here, and I, I was thinking about working my way up to this, but I really can't wait that long to talk about... Yeah, we got to open with them. ...who I think would be the definition of disappointing for most Flyers <laughs> fans. Like, you think about disappointment and the Flyers, you think about this guy, Ilya Brizgalov, Why well, you have to be mad? The universe is so hmm. humongous big. That guy, Ilya Brizgalov we all agree there's nobody who disagrees that Ilya Brisgalov was horrifically disappointing. I think the only way you can disagree is if you had zero expectations for him to start with. I mean, mine weren't high and he still disappointed me.
1: Yeah. Mine. Uh, I think were a little higher. Uh, and maybe not necessarily because of how great I thought he was, but I thought he would actually be a good goalie for the flyers. Like he would come in and be better than what the flyers had to offer with Bob. And, uh, Woof, that was not even close to being accurate. And uh, his numbers were pretty bad. Uh, So between the seasons of 2011 12 and 2012 13, 52, 33, and 10. Not bad. 905 save percentage, 2.6 GAA, and seven shutouts in 99 games. So uh, the save percentage of 9.905 is um, not great considering what the Flyers ended up trading away to get him, and uh, the actual trade for Bruce Goff was Matt Claxon. You remember that name? Old at Clacky. You got Old Clacky. Yeah, sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> the, uh, seventh <laughs> rounder taken in 2005, left winger, and a 2012 third which was eventually traded to the Penguins, and they took Oscar Sunkfist with. So, a uh, future Stanley Cup champion, the Flyers evidently traded away. And uh, good old Future Considerations, who uh, they're now in the AHL. They're working their way up the uh, organizational ladder. And also, that was what they gave the Coyotes, but they had the clear cap space, and they ended up trading Richards and Carter. So, that compounded by the fact that Brisgolf was fucking terrible.
0: And it also uh, leads to the trade of future Vesna winner Sergei Bobrovsky. And
1: it's a group, yeah. Bobrovsky getting dealt, too is uh, pretty rough all around. Um, and again, looking at, uh, I mean, the Richards and Carter deals, I put them down here, and uh, the remnants from those trades for fires Flyers right now are they still have. Uh, Morgan Frost, Joel Farabee, Tyler Pitlake, and Wiley, w- Wyatt Wiley are the four names they have from trading away Richards and Carter. Richards and Rob Bortzen to the, um, to the Kings for Brian Shen, Simmons, in the second, which was eventually traded to Dallas to help the Flyers get Nicholas Grossman. Yep. Um, and then Carter was traded to <laughs> the Blue Jackets for Jake Voracek, 2011 first. Katori 2011 third. Nick Cousins, um, who the Flyers eventually traded to the Coyotes got 2018 fifth, which is who is Wyatt Wiley. So uh, all around, I mean, God, I uh, we just talk. I just mentioned the Brisgolf play that comes to my mind whenever I think of Brisgolf being shitty, which is the it was his final playoff game as a Flyer. He tried to clear the puck, like just drop the puck out of the air and bat it away, and hit it right in the David Clarkson right in front of him, and the puck went in. And I think of that. I think about the crazy, I think it was game two. It was the uh, double hat trick game against the Penguins where they tied it up on a Tyler Kennedy shot to make it five to five. And Tyler Kennedy had a backhander from the top of the circle on screen, I think. And Brisgov just couldn't handle it. And it went five hole on him. Uh, also had like one of his best saves ever in that series. But man, he had some fucking horrendous goals. He gave up
0: as a flyer. I can't it's, like, believe shocking. it. I can't yeah. believe he had seven shutouts, but I, ultimately my my lasting memory of Ilya Brzgalov is a guy you just couldn't rely upon. Uh, not even, no. depending on yeah. the stakes, it didn't de- matter on the stakes, just on a day-to-day basis, you never felt confident with him in the net, and it was just... Yeah. You, the Flyers traded for him to be a stabilizing force in goal, to be your everyday starter, and he just wasn't even close to that i i don't think i've ever felt less confident going into a game with a starting goalie like obviously you know when we talk about the flyers two seasons ago when there was the revolving door of seven different goalies (laughs) yeah yeah i didn't feel too (laughs) confident when cal pickard went into the game but you
1: weren't feeling it when mike mckenna was getting thrown in there for a team that looked like they were going to finish in the bottom five you weren't feeling good
0: i was not feeling great about it no great but they, you know, the expectations weren't high for those guys. The expectations were, oh my God, what the hell is going on? I'm scared, hold me. Whereas with, with this whole situation, <laughs> the entire point of getting Briz is that he could be a stabilizing force and he came nowhere close to that is a destabilizing force. He, he just was not a guy anybody could rely upon. Ultimately, a crushing disappointment.
1: Yeah. I think, and I think that was part that was a big part of it was... After the Flyers had their whole lobby, let them decide to play, uh, you know, uh, musical chairs with the guys and met during that 2011 postseason run, uh, Brisgoff was out in Arizona. I think they had just, I think that was the, no, they didn't take the Red Wings to seven that year, but they were doing fine. And it was a lot of, um, Dave Tippett's, like, system out there kind of helping Brisgoff's numbers and how well they were playing. And then the year after he left Arizona, um, he, had his first season in Philly, which again, wasn't great. And Arizona went to the Western conference Finals. So it became a thing where for me, when the Flyers acquired Brisgolf, I was like, okay, this is a guy that's able to teams, able to run the defensive system through him and kind of limit, you know, how many goals they give up when it turns. And I thought him coming to Philadelphia, they might be able to run something similar to that. And then make making even get even further in the postseason. And it turned out that he was just a product of the system out there pretty much. And, uh, I mean, I oh really, it became painfully evident in his <laughs> small tenure with the Flyers. And uh, yeah, he, I mean, another, when you're talking about confidence too, and that, I just, I'll never forget him after that crazy ass 9 8 loss of the Jets. And he just went on CSN Philly and he said, I have no confidence right now. Like just out in the blue, just told that to Panaccio and the gang just right in the locker room. I just, I'm not. I don't have confidence right now as a starting goalie in the NHL. Like, who, who actually says that?
0: Right. Like, it's a great quote for the Beats. Like an unbelievably great quote for the Beats. But, and it's a great quote if you're the next team that's going to play the Flyers because you're just going to wind up and fire away at all angles. Yeah, and maybe that was a ploy. Maybe he was looking for easier shots.
1: (laughs) It's like, yeah. Next game was just a 56 save shutout. No shots from like below the bottom of the circles. It was just all. Near the blue line, yeah, but that was... See,
0: uh, it's a mental game. You get a mental game. <laughs> I play I with think, them. You play with me and figure it out. It's chess.
1: I think for me, too, he started off... His first two games, what was it? The Flyers won. They won in Boston 2-1 to for the season opener. And I think they shell at the Devils in New Jersey their next game. So in his first two games, he only gave it one goal. And I was like, all right. So they might actually have a goalie now. And then it all just went pretty much went downhill from there. And uh, and yeah. And I mean, even I mean, you would you consider Steve Mason, the guy that came after him? Would you consider him a disappointment? Because I know you wanted to talk about him or we could yeah, leave, so mention uh, him.
0: That, I don't know if I, that's an interesting topic there, because, yeah, I wouldn't classify him as a d- disappointment. Actually, if anything, i classify him as somebody who exceeded my expectations. I, like, I would agree there. Yeah. I had no expectations. I thought that was a horrific trade, especially coming on the case of first <laughs> off. I just couldn't <laughs> believe they pulled that move. And I mean, he was a lot... He had some seasons where he was like the only flyer doing anything. Yeah. I, the only reason I wanted to mention him is that I do think there is a portion of the fan base that would definitely consider steve mason a disappointing player but my argument would be why did you have expectations for him because essentially he was damaged goods coming here from columbus and nobody wanted a piece of him and you can contend how good he really was but i don't know if you can necessarily say you were disappointed by steve mason
1: Uh, yeah to me i would be really i find it hard to be disappointed with steve mason i mean we can get to the aspect of uh frustrating i can definitely get the angle from fans because i feel like I feel that's like a
0: whole other podcast that is the different, yeah, exactly. Like.
1: and like steve mason can leave the show there but uh for disappointing like he came in they hunger and bought low on him i think they gave up they didn't give up much and it was i think they gave up only a fifth for steve mason i think but he came in the possibility of maybe they buy out briz and he starts like that was the the idea first and it came in and nobody was expecting anything out of him because he was falling off big time in Columbus. And then he came here, had an all right regular season and then played pretty damn well against the Rangers in the postseason. So much so that he missed the first three games of that season or series. And he helped the Flyers push it to seven. And there was, there seemed to be a thought at the time that if he had played any of those first three games, the Flyers probably won that series and the Rangers went on to Stanley cup uh, final that season. So he, and the next season, when the team was absolute ass, uh, I think he had a 925 save percentage. When the Flyers ended up picking seventh overall to get Provorov, that came after a season where just go and look at those blue lines, too. I think that's a big thing that people forget about when they look at those Steve Mason teams. From 2013-14 to 2016-17, when he was the, the starter, think about who was on the blue line at that time. Like He had, he had a rookie Proveroff, and that was it. Uh, delzato Grossman, Nick Schultz, Andrew McDonald, like oh, all the like, team. yeah, like all the guys that we hate and we're like glad are nowhere near the team anymore. That was those were like top four players <laughs> for him on a team that was also throwing out Michael Ruff on the top line. So it wasn't exactly like he had the strongest support of the eighteen guys in front of him. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, the, again, frustrating. I think is the way to put it because he definitely had trouble seeing the puck through traffic at times. Uh, especially on like the power play, so he had a lot of goals where it would beat him, and he's still looking at the point, looking out at the point before he drafts. Um, some of the injuries, uh, he did let in some fucking hilariously bad goals, like the center ice one in twenty sixteen uh, against the Caps. But yeah, frustrating. I don't know. I don't. Or I mean, uh, disappointing. I don't know, but frustrating. Yeah, I can see that.
0: Yeah, and I think um, it's easy to get disappointing and frustrating mixed up, and that's something we're definitely going to talk about and explore yeah. tonight.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And um, and I think even... Uh, I mean, do you want know, to just go down the list you want to switch it up here? We go to another goalie. Actually, we could talk about two other goalies.
0: Well, you've yeah, already I. transitioned into it, so let's just uh, keep leaning into that sucker.
1: The goalies? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the uh, Roman monic is another one I put on here. Um, and it's because he started off... He had a bunch of good years with the Flyers, uh, and then it ended... On a sour note and uh, he just kinda disappeared. But it looked like he was a guy that was gonna be a net for the Flyers for a while. And uh if he was even there another season, uh I think the Flyers could have maybe if it was Czech Monik and Net, maybe not Ash during the uh, two thousand four run, maybe it looks a little maybe that outcome looks a little different. But uh
0: But the thing not, is I think the argument is you never get to that point with Czech Monic and Nettle. Net yeah, that's fair. check was so Checkmonic is one of those guys where if you look at Flyers goalie records, Roman Checkmonic is in the top five, if not the top three on almost every one of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's, and yeah. It, it,
0: it's wild because he's got such a poor reputation here. But at the end of the day, he has amazing numbers. However, I, I feel like the argument for Checkmonic was he was not the guy you could rely upon in the big game. He was the the choker in the big game. Come playoff yeah. time.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, I I, I couldn't remember – it's kind of hard to find the highlights for these, but I remember one specific one. The I always think of the glove, uh, the goal to Robert Reichel, where he was picking up his glove off the ice, and Reichel throws a puck in from the corner on the Leafs back in um, 2003. Uh, it was, yeah, game six, 2003 Eastern Conference quarterfinals. The Flyers lost game 2-1 to one in overtime. The, the Leafs' first game of that goal was – check, Monica lost a glove uh, – Somebody like passed it to him, passed him in his own glove from the corner and he leaned down to pick it up mid play and Reichel scored over his shoulder, get to get at least a one nothing lead. So I, I remember that one and I remember he let up a, a bunch of shitty goals to the centers at postseason two and then he was and then he was just gone. So it was a thing where some games he would just steal the show and then other games he it was the inconsistency pretty much towards the end. Or, I mean, for a decent amount of it. <laughs> but he, like... And, well, just and I feel like up... it's...
0: Especially when the inconsistency is so extreme. Like, there's there's inconsistency... I, I think when people talk about inconsistency, I talk, I think they talk more about extremes. Like, when a guy gets blown out one night and shuts the team the other team out the next night. That kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, and yeah, that's, exactly. that's kind of like what it was like watching Chickmonic at times. But the thing is, at the end of the day, when you look back at Chickmonic's numbers... It's it's hard Incredible. to justify calling the guy a disappointment, even like his playoff numbers really are not that bad. I mean, win-loss is not good, and people would argue that's on him. Uh, win-loss is, you know, a, a debatable topic for goalies. I don't think yeah. how goalies should really be judged. But you're, you're trying to paint a full picture, and the impression of monik is of a guy you you could not count on in Clutch Time. Uh, Flyers are here for Clutch Time! And... <laughs> I mean, the guy had a 909 save percentage, 233 GAA in the playoffs alone. And it's so, like, his first playoffs, not good, objectively. 2-4, uh, and four, 891 save percentage, 3.12 GAA. And then second playoffs, actually, really good numbers, but only played four games, Flyers lost in the first round. And yeah. 936 save percentage, 185 GAA, and then... Third one's middle of the road, but they did win around.
1: Yeah. Well, and the one, if the 2002 was the number of the year he posted a 936 save percentage, I think.
0: Yeah.
1: So, like, that was the season, or that was a series where the Flyers lost in five to the centers and they scored two goals in the whole fucking series. So, like, I don't, I don't know what he's going to do with that. It's kind of hard to win games and your team literally doesn't score. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, like, those are pretty decent postseason numbers. And then the regular season numbers, too. Um, 92, 43, and 22, with a 923 save percentage and a 196 GAA with 20 shutouts from 2000, 2001 to 2002, 2003. 20 shutouts. 20
0: pretty... shutouts.
1: That is uh, that is something. I mean, it's just, yeah, for me, it's just disappointing because he, they, they looked like the skill was there and he just couldn't piece it all together. And now we are still, you know, that could have been the guy that at least. Fought off the idea that the Flyers couldn't have stability in that for a long time. And,
0: uh, I mean, his rookie season, he was second in Vesna voting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it Was it? Uh, yeah. All star game in 2001. Uh, he also won the William N. Jannings trophy. Um, it's the award given to the go- uh, goalie on the team that allowed the least amount of goals across the league. Uh, and it, you had to play a minimum of like 25, 30 games, I think. So this year in 2001, Robert Ash and uh, Robert Ash and Monic won for the Flyers, and then Martin Burdor won for the, the Devils in 2003. So like he was winning. I mean, he was winning some awards. He was doing pretty well. And then just, uh, yeah, that was it. Time was up, I guess.
0: <laughs> I mean, he, he almost beat out Dominic Hasek. For the goddamn Vesna trophy.
1: That's pretty ridiculous, yeah.
0: And they have—I'm looking at the numbers right now, and it was really close, honestly.
1: That so that yeah so that I think that's Hoshik a good ally was, for why uh, was disappointing.
0: Hasek <laughs> was 37-24 and 4 two eleven GAA, nine-twenty-one save percentage. Czechmanek uh, was 35-15 and six to a one GAA and a nine-twenty-one save percentage. So same save percentage as. Dominik Hasek, one of the best goalies of all time.
1: Yeah, not bad. And then, you know, a couple of years later, not not even on the team. So I think...
0: Yeah, he played one season with the LA Kings, and, and that was that.
1: Yeah, I think that's the really shocking part to me, was he only played one more season, and then he was just done. What a short...
0: And I guess the other thing is, he, he did start his career later. I mean, he was 29 when he joined the Flyers, and then he was 32 when he went to the Kings. So he did yeah. start his career later, but... I mean the guy the guy was incredible, but completely, completely maddening. So I I almost wonder if this is turning into a, a disappointing or frustrating podcast here <laughs> because um I maybe Roman Chickmonic is actually just more frustrating than disappointing at the end of the day, even though he's one of the first guys you think of for disappointing flyers.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Well, I mean so <laughs> I think Leaning on the uh, idea of disappointing or frustrating and talking about goaltenders, I think that leads pretty well into the next guy we could talk about, which is uh, one Ronald Hextall, Stephen. Uh, and, uh, you know, out of, the, all, out of all the people in Philly, be talking about Ron Hextall as a disappointment. We are aware of what it's like to hear us talking about Ron Hextall as a disappointment. But when you look at it, a uh, guy had a pretty fucking disappointing career on twice for the Flyers uh, Cause he had good numbers for the fires and had, one of the best goaltending, maybe the best goaltending season ever, I guess. Uh, his rookie season, 1986-87. Uh, won the Con Smythe, won the Vesna, and appeared in the All-Star Game and came second in Calder Memorial Trophy voting, some fucking loser named Luke Robitaille. Uh, he also led the league in save percentage with 902. Yeah, that's right. People who like to defend scoring in the 80s. Led the league with a 902 save percentage um, and uh, 37 wins. But that was his rookie season. And then when you look at the rest of his career – he didn't put up similar numbers until the mid '90s, when the game had started to change a little bit, and also those Flyers teams were were pretty damn good again. Um, but uh, I'm and looking then at his you...
0: numbers now. So '95 '96 was yeah. he was he was really good. He had 913 save percentage, 217 GAA. So he was pretty rock solid for the Flyers. Although he was, as I recall from being a young fan at that time. He was frustrating because uh, my my dad used to call him the Fosbury flopper because he'd always be like, why are you (laughs) flopping, Hextall? My dad loved those butterfly goalies. Uh, But, you know, Hextall had that season, uh, 96-97, ironically, the cup year. uh, Not that great. 8.97 save percentage and and 2.56 GA. And then 97-98, actually another good year. 9.11 save percentage and a 2.17 GAA.
1: Yeah, so he had those two years like later in the career in his career. I remember 97, the 97 cup though. He had a couple of real, real bad fucking goals. Like, oh, he
0: had some clunkers. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So like, but I just think about how he came in on fire until like the, the rookie season, 86, 87, never quite repeated that and helped the Flyers win a cup. And I think that's what a lot of people's expectations were once he came into the league and he kind of started off so strong. And then even as a, Even as a GM, uh, I think there was a lot more promise at the beginning of his tenure. And uh, he did a lot of work to help build up the pipeline and kind of bring a lot of helpful prospects into the fold and help clear the, the Flyers out of some cap troubles. But then towards the end, he didn't actually add NHL talent and actually improve the team on the ice and wasn't willing to budge from. I guess, the idea of just uh, grooming prospects, which is, again, I don't know if that angle is really frustrating and disappointing, but I think I'm looking at more of uh, he came in with high hopes in both these situations and then never really lived up the, the expectations. So I'm counting that as a disappointment.
0: It's an interesting parallel. And I would ultimately, I, I would say Hextall, the goaltender, is more frustrating. Right and i would say that hexed the gm is is disappointing and frustrating both of them
1: <laughs> i would say too his gm stuff is again this might be the only podcast pushing them for this angle but i think his gm work is still a little bit a work in progress because again a lot of the guys he brought in were prospects when he was here and now they're starting to hit the ice and you know talk about the seasons that pro ralph connect had talk about farabee being an NHL regular already um the so talk about how was... well Sanheim's doing and Carter Hart and, you know, all these aspects of the team that are just now starting to make an impact. And, well, they are Hextall's guys, so. He-
0: Hextall was great in two areas, drafting and uh, salary cap. It, it, the stuff he was good at, he was really good at. And, man, that NHL talent, man, he just could not, he you know... couldn't do it. I don't know if it was just unwilling to spend the salary cap or, he just didn't have an eye for it, but it was, yeah. man, he brought some clunkers in here. Well, I'll never, for, I'll never forgive it for Dale Beast the Dutch Kretzky.
1: Boy, Gordon. I mean, all these guys. Uh, but, like, I think the thing, too, is, or what might lead into the disappointment for me was, I think Hexel was exactly the guy who wanted the Flyers to go after at that point in time when they were moving away from Holmgren. Like, I felt like he was the right guy to bring in there because he, pretty much like talked about how what he was going to do and kind of how he wanted to build it, like the Kings and everything and draft and develop and all this kind of stuff. So I felt like that's what they needed then. And then he never deviated from that. Once he actually started making an impact with getting the prospects here and looking to make the the NHL team go from bottom of the league to competing in the playoffs. It was always, I feel like he got up to playoff team, but not a playoff team that we actively thought was going to go anywhere.
0: You just gotta that's have him and Dean about. Lombardi as a package deal at all times. Oh
1: boy! Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, that's...
0: maybe that's maybe that it was just having that combination.
1: I well, I mean, they were here for a little bit, and that really didn't. Uh, they really did not
0: Yeah, but maybe, they maybe Dean yeah. needs to make the call the shots, and Ron needs to be the. Uh... Yeah, the exactly,
1: second man. Yeah, but I don't charge, know. Yeah. It,
0: and it's a shame that it worked out like it did. And the thing for me that really is tragic at the end of the day is despite the frustrations and all of that, Ron Hextall is still a great Philadelphia flyer at the end of the day. And he is a flyers legend. And I don't like people thinking of him like they do. I don't like a lot of the nastiness that comes out when you mention Ron Hextall. Because at the end of the day, Ron Hextall was not trying to ruin your hockey experience. Ron Hextall was not (laughs) trying to ruin the Philadelphia flyers way of being. He was trying to rebuild this team and, and rebuild the salary cap situation and get rid of the bad contracts. And he accomplished a lot, but he failed as far as making them a competitive team at the time. And, and getting over that hump is uh, blind loyalty to Dave Haxtell and his inability to, to get NHL talent. I mean, there were flaws, yeah. but it, there were best of intentions.
1: I th- yeah, I think that's my thing too, is
0: he was the flyers that wait, as you pointed out before.
1: He was what? Well, yeah, exactly. And I think that's, I, I still, think and I still hope and honestly after this year with the way Chuck Fletcher managed the team I think that might be on track to happening because I again Fletcher really didn't press a lot of like but, but didn't press a, long, a lot of wrong buttons this year in my opinion uh, I mean,
0: Fletcher, the Chucky and, True Trades man uh, yeah,
1: Chucky True Trades lighting up and I think the biggest thing so far, the, I think the the one player that everybody hated or not hated but just hated the idea of him being on the team was Chris Stewart and that I think dissipated after a while because we saw it wasn't it wasn't the old veteran who can't skate and is going to take a roster spot from a younger player that we had seen for the last couple of years with Hackstall and um, with we, and also Hackstall. Saw that,
0: we also saw that a lot in the Holmgren, Ruby, right. Holmgren, Violette eras. Yeah, so it's been it's there been going would be on a, a waste of space. You know, I mean, it's kind of a Flyers tradition at this point. Where yeah,
1: well, <laughs> of space just punches like a one bunch one of people game. in the face. Yeah. Yeah. But its it has been a long-standing tradition. So I think that was the thing that once like once he was signed, people were, were worried that's what was going to happen. And then when he started getting in games early in the season, people were like, oh, here it comes. And then uh, they just kind of stopped playing him and then waved him. And uh, I think that kind of signaled to everybody that that's probably not – I think that made the additions of Thompson and Grant a little bit easier to stomach even though you know, I, th- I still think they should have just got one of those guys. But I understand the idea too. Like that's the thing now is there's – There's no more transactions where you're like, "Why are you doing this?" There's a lot more clarity on the decisions. I think that helps. So, but
0: let's just remember though, as a a Flyers goaltender, Ron Hextall attacked Chris Chelios. He scored a god. He scored two goddamn goals as a goaltender. Yeah, and
1: chased down Penguins. Yeah, he he did a lot of good stuff.
0: He came closer than anybody since 1975 to winning the Flyers of Stanley Cup. He took Kretzky's Oilers to seven games.
1: Yeah, that is the crazy angle. And I th- and
0: again... He won the goddamn... He won the goddamn playoff MVP in a losing in battle.
1: A, yeah, that really is. That should just tell you like how often... I guess how since crazy
0: 1976, really, if uh, you want to consider it then. But
1: <laughs> Yeah. But no, I mean, still, that is... Uh, yeah, I, I get the not liking him anymore, but I think a lot of people are kind of overdoing the whole "worst flyer to ever live" kind of angle. So there's a lot of resentment towards Hextall right now, and I get it to an extent, but at the same time, like, I, I, calm down, everybody. I Let's guess settle, settle down, it.
0: guys. Life's yeah. too long. If you enjoy about seven right? players on the <laughs> roster, yeah. <laughs> Life's too long. That's a very oh, that's that's a simple. Uh, right now, Look that's, at uh, it.
1: that's uh that's a. I mean, I mean, shit. Some of these days in quarantine me made made the motto of some of those days anyway moving on the oh I mean let's talk about uh you want to talk about some of these other disappointments from their early 90s I think uh, I think we're done with the goalies unless you want to talk about this last guy on your list here
0: yeah I got one more goalie I want to talk about the uh, because, yeah. uh, this guy came in like the Flyers have had a lot of mediocre goalie talent come in and they, they sucked but I mean I think we talked about the crushing disappointments but I think the one other guy that I think there were high hopes for her, and he just did not work out was uh, John Van Beesbrook came in in the late 90s. Old Beezer. Old Beezer, after being a dominant force with the Florida Panthers for a while. Like, he was really freaking good with the Panthers. And he came to the Flyers and just was not... I mean, I I, I have to look back at his numbers and I'm going to pull them up real quick, but I just remember him not being anywhere close to the the Beezer that would shut down the Flyers, and that's a hard nickname oh, to yeah. use now, considering news that came out in recent years about him. But uh, he posted yeah. 902 and 906 save percentages for the Flyers in the late 90s, which is pretty mediocre. And yeah, pretty he, was nice. just, he was just a mediocre goalie. He couldn't quite get them over the hump that we were hoping would happen after uh, the Hextall snow years. And, uh, you know, we're not mentioning Sean Burke or Jeff Hackett or any of those guys because they don't, they don't begin to. I don't think the expectations were ever up there for them. No. But Jean Van Beesbrook, there were definite expectations for that guy, uh, hoping that he would help the Flyers get over the top. And um, yeah. I mean, his last year in Florida wasn't his best, but the uh, year before that, he had a 919 save percentage and a 2.29 GAA and came in seventh in Vesna voting. And that was the year that I uh, went to the Cup Finals and got smoked by the Caps. Oh, wait, was it that year or was that the year after? Not the Caps, the uh, the Avalanche. So. Uh, that was
1: 96. Yeah, so I guess he would have...
0: Okay, so 96... 96, he had a 904, save percentage 268 HEA. And then the year the Flyers went to the Cup Finals against the Red Wings, he had that, that stellar year. But regardless, he was very good in Florida, for the most part. And w- there were some high hopes and just eh, very mediocre. No,
1: I can, I can get behind that. Like, he was a good, disappointing choice. Because uh, I do remember... Even though I was still like eight or nine, I remember being excited when the Flyers got him because I, I knew who it was and I knew he was good. And then I just remember him not being that guy in Philadelphia. So I think, and he's a good, he's a good disappointing choice for this exercise because it wasn't really frustrating. It was just kind of uh, expecting him to be better and then just never really hit what our expectations were. So,
0: right. You have uh, to have those high hopes in order to be a proper disappointment. Like yeah. this, doesn't and, this doesn't apply to Robert Esh. This doesn't apply to... To uh, Rob Zep. Rob Zep. <laughs> doesn't apply to Marty Biron.
1: Yeah, no, none of these guys. Martin Hul. None of these guys. Uh, I I do want to say, though, we could probably do a, a nice little segue if you wanted to from uh, Van Breesbrook on those those late 90s teams to another couple names that I put on here that I wanted to talk about for a bit as being uh, two of the biggest disappointments in recent history. Oh. And uh, I think, I mean, you'll agree with me, I, I assume, but uh, Chris Gratton and Alexander Deck. And uh, I got a little bit on both, and they're both very disappointing, but I thought... Uh,
0: I think these are easily top five disappointing players oh, yeah. of oh, at star yeah. our life, lifetimes, because, uh, man, there were some some huge expectations with both of these guys coming in, and they came nowhere close to fulfilling those.
1: I gotta say, Deg was already one of my favorite bust slash what you could have been like players in league history, just based on his... Uh, post-draft uh, quote of being drafted number one, and then also the story I read on Wikipedia, but he his numbers were fucking terrible with the Flyers, <laughs> and also, I mean, Chris Gratton, I yeah, I, I'll, I'll start with Chris Gratton because I, I mean, remember
0: Yeah, you talk about Gratton, then I have a dig story after that I've, t- I've talked about you know, it probably yeah. before, but I, I always love to mention it.
1: Yeah, so Gratton was came over with the Flyers, uh, he had 62 points, 22 goals which is kind of surprising looking back on it remember how much everybody hated him. but uh 22 goals another and 40th player
0: that will appear on this list we'll
1: talk about about 20 minutes yeah <laughs> then it's i get it now uh in 82 games in 97 98 and they had eight points one of which was a goal in 26 games to start 98 99 before being traded back to the lightning so
0: get out of here
1: yeah so here's my i remember
0: go on get snail.
1: Chris
0: Salted <laughs> Chris out of town <laughs>
1: I remember hearing about Chris Gratton because uh, my dad used to sell furniture and during the summers, uh, my brother and I would go out and help him do, um, whenever he made a sale, he would help the guys unload the trucks wherever he was making the sales, usually universities and everything. So we'd go during the summer, ended up being in Philly on this day and we were listening to WIP a lot. And I remember hearing them talk about how the flyers had gotten Chris Gratton from the Lightning instead of Chris Gratton going to the blackhawks because the flyers had given chris gratton an offer sheet you know there's good old bobby clark uh, gave him an offer sheet lightning wanted to trade um gratton to the blackhawks so they'd get players instead of uh, a whole bunch of picks and everything um and i believe they were going to get ethan morrow steve Dubinsky, and keith garney and then the league had to have an arbitrator come in and it became a whole thing and the flyers eventually got rewarded for the um
0: happens with the flyer offer
1: sheet yeah i was gonna say it sounds a little familiar but uh (laughs) ended up getting grad and the flyers had to give the lightning their next four first round picks and then when they traded ground back to the lightning um they got it was grad and mike Sillinger from michael Remberg and damon lankow is what happened after that so grad required all that cost for the offer sheet Came in, had one twenty-two goal season, and then had one goal in the first 26 games to start the next season, and then got traded. And, man, the, he was, there was a lot of fucking hype around him. I remember everybody losing their minds for, like, the first couple months of, like, right after they got on about how excited they were and how they thought the team was going to be, like, even better now. And he just ended up not living to – living up to any of that hype. Yeah. <laughs> just and not he, being good at all.
0: So when Granton got traded to the Flyers, that was the 97-98 season – and he was coming off of a, a really good campaign in 96, 97. Uh, he's 21 years old. He had 30 goals, 32 assists, 62 points. A yeah. 30-goal uh, season is really nice, especially when you are a team with Eric Lindros, John LeClair, Rod Brindamore. You can add that. You're like, hell yeah, let's add that. And yeah. they they it, it seemed like a sound enough move at the time. And the thing is, Gretton... That 22-goal season, that's the second best of his career. He'd never come anywhere close to 30 again. I mean, I'm looking at his goal totals right now. 30, 22, 19, 17, 17, 15, 15, 15. Like, these are very mediocre numbers for the rest of his career. Penalty minutes, however, pretty routinely above 100. A so.
1: ton, yeah. Good job, yeah. bud. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, the 62 points was high for his career high, and I think it was... He got 62 points in back-to-back seasons and the second one was his first with the Flyers and then he just never never got back to that point but I
0: it, it was just it, the other thing about that trade is Grattan also came with the high price of breaking up the Legion of Friggin' Doom, right? Yep, like yep, Michael yeah. Renberg went to Tampa Bay in that trade and he's coming off a season where, you know, he he wasn't exactly, you know, shine away in the points department either he had 59 points in 96 97 with that legion of doom line and you know renberg again would never really come close to that season maybe uh it, it looks like toronto in 0102 he had 52 points which is pretty good but you know renberg started off his career really hot and maybe you could say disappointment there i won't because he was part of the legion of freaking doom but Legion yeah. of doom. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> the thing is like you have that. He is here. Uh, you have that line. You have that line that is so successful and popular. And then you take a swing for Chris Grant, and hoping, hoping that he can be this goal scoring depth and really put the flyers over the top. And he just was a, a colossal disappointment in that department. I, I remember him more for fighting than goal scoring.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, and yeah, when you look at the penalty minutes, uh, that checks out. I was I was gonna say real quick the um, going back to the the offer sheet and everything. So Remberg got traded because uh, the Lightning declined that offer sheet uh, that the Flyers were gave the Gratton. So the Flyers had to give the Lightning first round picks in 98, 99, ninety eight, ninety nine, two 2001 as compensation, uh, and then the draft picks were immediately traded back to the Flyers in exchange for Michael Remberg and one Carl Dykhouse. Yeah. That my guy? dad's
0: <laughs> least favorite defenseman. My dad hated Carl Dykehouse. He was he was actually happy about that trade just to see Dykehouse go. Like he always used to <laughs> sneer his dad. name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we have to go back and watch I, I want to go back and watch, take like vivid notes on Carl Dykehouse now because I'm pretty sure my dad hated him too. So I want to know what he was doing out there. That just pissed off dads, like in the general Philly area, like what he was doing wrong to piss everybody off.
0: (laughs) Join (laughs) Craig and uh, Steve for a live viewing of Carl (laughs) Dykhaus' performance.
1: Also, real quick, can you talk? Can we? Four first round picks for Michael Remberg and Carl. The Lightning lost. Chris Gratton and four first round picks from Michael Renberg and Carl Dykhouse. What is that trade like? What am I re- like? What are what is that actual situation
0: going on? I, I really the, do not understand. And that's so a they, lot of So they basically Renberg they said like, no, 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 no. We're not going to offer sheet this. Give us Renberg and Dykhouse.
1: <laughs> yeah, we know what we will. We're getting it. <laughs> Jesus
0: Christ. And then I honestly, the the trade back, though. I mean, I liked Lankow. Lankow worked out well.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to say Lankow was pretty. So I think all in all, it turned out to be OK. Turned out to be all right. But it was, uh, it was a
0: waste of time, and you could have just played Doom and, together. And I just remember, not that I'm bitter, not that I I have any problems with anything from this era at all.
1: <laughs> I do, but if, for me, like I remember the initial day of hearing about how the Flyers got him, and WIP losing their minds over it, and then just everybody whenever they were on national TV, like all they would talk about Chris gratton in the start of the season and everything, and then he just didn't never came nowhere near expectations. Uh, this, up to expectation.
0: Honestly, this would become a recurring theme in the Lindros era, really of, of trying to get this supplemental star to, to back up Lindros, because I mean, Rod the bod was doing solid work in there, right? Like mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and Lindros didn't play as many games in this Grattan season. We're talking about uh, Lindros played, uh, 63 games that season, but like Brenda Moore was rock solid. He had 74 points in 82 games. And I mean, Brendamore was always solid. He always would just do great work, great two way center. Fantastic. But Grattan is a guy that you're hoping he scores 30 goals. So you have damn Rod, the bot had 36 goals that year. So if, oh, yeah, if Grattan scores 30 goals that year, you've got four 30 goal scorers on that team because Lindros also scored 30 and Leclerc had 51.
1: Well, and the thing too with Gratton, I think that added to the layer of—he uh, started off the first season, I think, slow with the Flyers too. Like he didn't put up a ton of goals, and then they moved Leclaire off the top line to help Gratton to get going. And then they—that's like—and then Gratton, Gratton started to put up goals when he was playing with Leclaire. So. You know, again, he had 23 goals, and he needed a boost of playing with John LeClair for a good chunk of it to get going. And when he wasn't with them, he apparently just wasn't producing. So, fucking Christ, Chris Graden, yeah. Uh, well, Christ. another another uh, top 90. So, Chris Grad was taken third overall in the 1993 draft, and a young man by the name of Alexander Digg was taken number one overall in the 1993 draft, and he's one of my favorite. Again. He was terrible with the Flyers. Uh, 31 points, 12 goals, 19 assists, and 68 games. On the
0: games. same roster we're talking about. Probably, yeah, like this, you're talking about, Christian yeah. Uh,
1: 97, not 98, 98, 99. Not a 30-goal scorer. No, nowhere, nowhere close. Um, But my favorite thing about Dag, and I've always loved it, was uh, after he got drafted first overall in 1993, he said, I'm glad I got drafted first because nobody remembers number two. And the joke there, of course, is Chris Pronger went second overall and became fucking Chris Pronger. And I just wanted to point out, uh, I love how the Flyers the Flyers apparently loved the top of this 1993 draft, and I wish they had gone a little bit further with it, because they had Degg at one point, had Pronger at one point, had Gratton at one point. Those are the top three. And then fourth overall was Paul Correa. So I wish they had just gone one more step and decided to add Paul Correa instead of, you know, going nuts over Chris Gratton and Alexander Degg. But
0: I was a big uh, Paul Korea fan, too. He, yeah, to I would have...
1: Yeah, I think he, Yeah, I would have loved to see Korea on the Flyers. Um, and my... Other, this is another tidbit I found when I read uh, Alexander Degg's Wikipedia page, and of course, as you know, everything on Wikipedia is 100% real, but...
0: 100% real, not fabricated.
1: <laughs> uh, apparently... Uh, Degg was removed from a center's team flight on September 25th, 1996. While chatting with a flight attendant during USA air flight 1948 with the team, he leaned over Trevor Timmons, the center's director of team services and said, quote, watch out for your bomb there. End quote, while motioning towards Timmons laptop computer upon hearing Degg's comment, the flight attendant notified the captain who immediately contacted USA air ground control and police were subsequently notified. What Degg did not know, was that then U.S. President Bill Clinton was also on the Pittsburgh International Air, Airport tarmac at the time, resulting in a heightened level of security. But well, we can't not, have that. Dig was not prosecuted, prosecuted for the incident, but was fined 300 bucks and was not allowed to board the attaching flight to Tampa Bay with the rest of the team.
0: The money went so, straight into Bill Clinton's pocket and thoroughly went to Big Macs. <laughs> Listen, I can 300 this... Big Macs or more.
1: I just like that $300 at that time was like a, you know, hey, don't joke around terrorism kind of fine. I, I don't know. Like, I feel like that should have been maybe a little bit heftier. I don't know.
0: It, it seems you know, little... It was the 90s. It was a careful yeah,
1: time. Yeah, I was going to say that was before another. Yeah, that was before uh, 9-11. So that may have been a little. Uh, even then, that seems like not the best joke. But that's a little tidbit about Alex, Alexander Degg. Listen, you going could
0: moonwalk there. into the airport whenever you wanted in the 90s.
1: <laughs> nah, can't do that. We can't moonwalk anywhere these days. It's, it's so upsetting, but uh, and then uh, he left. So after he had those glorious, uh, what was it? Twelve goals? Yeah, twelve goals in sixty-eight oh. games with the Flyers. I saw CC. three of those
0: in person. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was at. So the year the Flyers hosted the Red Wings in ninety-seven, ninety-eight, and that was the, the little. There's always you have that vengeance game after you lose to a team in the championship. It, it means okay. nothing to the other team, but for. <laughs> For you, having lost to that team, it means a lot. And the Flyers blew out. The, it was like a birthday game for me, too. I went with my dad. Uh, we were sitting next to these two crazy lunatics in uh, Brindamore and Lindraw's <laughs> Team Canada jerseys. Oh, Great baby. experience. But the Flyers completely blew the Red Wings out of the water in this game, which was immensely satisfying to to teenage Steve. And uh, the, the uh, what should we call it? But Dag had a hat trick in that game, unbelievably enough.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty impressive that you saw three of his 12 goals. Three of his in 12 long goals, game.
0: and <laughs> me, my dad, and those crazy Cana- guys – well, I don't think they were Canadian, but they were in Canada jerseys. Me and those crazy guys in Team Canada jerseys started the uh na hey goodbye chant. Uh, oh, hell dad. yeah. So it, was, it was a good time.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a pretty good memory. One of my
0: earliest best Flyers memories, like, I, you know, it's Mites on Ice and then that.
1: You might have the best memory of Alexander Degg ever. Like he, you might be I'm one the of the only, only people. Good. Yeah, unless somebody's only hockey game ever was at that hat trick, you might have the best. You're the only person that Deg has impacted uh, in a positive light here. So uh, true. But uh, yeah, pretty pretty disappointing. Uh, pretty upsetting. Not uh, not great. I, I just Another I still guy enjoy it.
0: that came in with lofty expectations. The Flyers traded for it's him huge. when he was. I mean, he was pretty young at this time. Uh, when the Flyers traded for him and just didn't do jack yeah. shit.
1: So I mean they, they, they would have traded for him in the summer of ninety seven and he was drafted in ninety three. So I mean that's it's pretty young. That's gotta be
0: He started in the NHL when he was eighteen too.
1: Yeah so that's early twenties, like twenty two think. But so crazy. Yeah. What
0: what's the highest single season point total Alexander Dague had? <sighs> 50. 51. He did that three times. (laughs) He did that three times, and that is the per- that is the height of mediocrity right there.
1: Yeah, first overall. I just like going back and looking up Alexander Diggs stuff and just like random articles online that are like, he was dubbed the next can't miss prospect, and then it's like, here's how he missed. <laughs> here's how he didn't live up to all these expectations.
0: Wing and a miss.
1: Big time, still gonna miss. I just, I, 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 still just love the fact that he said that after he got drafted first overall, and fucking Chris Pronger one second. <laughs> like, just out of all the people to get wrong. Oh, I like, know. It's just, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, they well, were
0: pretty it, it's so funny to talk about these guys who are, are clear disappointments, not even frustrating, like clear disappointments. And there's probably some people, not as many you'd hear today, but at the time where people would have called guys like Eric Lindros or Keith Primo disappointments. Cause oh, yeah. I, I know Primo definitely had a, a tough time his first couple years in Philly and people. Would call him like a disappointing player, especially because Brindamore was such a popular player when they traded him like People couldn't believe they traded Rob Brindamore. So, you know, that when you trade a fan favorite, especially one that produced as well as Brindamore uh, to bring in a guy like Primo, who ended up becoming, you know, one of the great captains of the Flyers and uh, giving us one of the great defensive performances. But. You know th- there were very high expectations on him, and and some people did consider him a disappointment for a while. I- nobody could say that today because of the the way he led that team, that o three o four team. Yeah. The blood, sweat, and tears he gave this team. Ultimately, Keith Primo was uh, one of the best Flyers of my lifetime, and yeah. Eric Lindros. I mean, you're an idiot if you still consider Eric Lindros a disappointment. Oh yeah, now. Yeah, Eric Lindros' biggest problem is the fact that Peter Forsberg was so successful and part of that trade. If Peter Forsberg because I think was it Brindamore was supposed to be initially part of that trade? Regardless, the initial Lindros Rangers trade, there was supposed to be a player that wasn't Peter Forsberg and the fact that it was Peter Forsberg and Peter Forsberg is one of the great NHLers and uh, would have so much success with the Avalanche, you know a lot of that goes back on Eric Lindros unfairly, and Eric Lindros had a tremendous career here, and I'm glad that the the organization made up with him a few years back, and they they all sorted it out. And now he's going to be a team ambassador, which is awesome yeah. news. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty nice. It, it, it's a great sight to see. But th- there's a time where, especially right after Lindros got traded to the Rangers, uh, after the Stevens concussion and everything like that. There there was a time where a lot of Flyers fans would say he was one of the greatest disappointments of Flyers history, and I, I'm glad that time has given us perspective on that, but th- this was definitely something that people would have argued at a time.
1: Yeah, which is, which to me is pretty nuts. I mean, there are, I can understand, like I said, there was a point in time I've you know, I hated Lindros, but that was because of I didn't know the way he actually left the team. I was going based off of other fans' reactions, and I didn't really know what the team was doing to him behind closed doors. With you know, pretty much telling him to just take Advil when he had a concussion and those types of things. But disappointing would not have been a word to describe his tenure, I guess, because uh, he, I think he's over a point and a half per game uh, player as a Flyer. Which, considering the era he was with the Flyers, I don't know in what way that would be a disappointment. And considering also, lock. <laughs> and also just like, uh, I mean, being on the Legion of Doom, pretty much almost in a way single handedly carrying that team to the cup because it was pretty much that line and Rob Brendamore, and then you know, that was it in terms of producing goals that season. So,
0: uh, 1.36 points per game for Eric Lindros. 1.36. Okay, fire, I, I thought it
1: was 1.56. I mean, there's still 1.36 is pretty damn good. It, it, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty damn good.
0: good. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, so, pretty uh, good. He had 659 points as a Philadelphia Flyer in 486 games.
1: Yeah, that's not, it's not too shabby. That's all right. Um, so do you want to talk about other guys that are on the, the team today that might be considered disappointments, or do you want to talk about... I mean, we have to talk about Vincent Lecavier. That's one of the big names I have left here. Uh,
0: yeah, I was going to I was gonna save that one for a bit. I, I just kind of want to...
1: Oh, boy. All okay, right, let's go back to... Never mind, you guys didn't hear that. Let's talk about uh, guys on the team right now that could be considered uh, disappointments.
0: I was going to but... run through more of the borderline guys real quick. Oh, yeah, go ahead. All right, go ahead. Because, you know, we're talking about Primo and Lindros, guys who, you know, give him perspective. Uh, not even close. Absolutely, or not even close. But at the, at the time, you know, people could make arguments, incorrect arguments, but they can make them. <laughs> um, one of the other guys that you have listed here with some stats is Matt Reed. And I find that so yeah. utterly hilarious that people call him well, a, a disappointment not... or a failure, but also just like, I don't know, why would you have the expectation for an undrafted free okay, agent so like here, Matt me... Reed?
1: I you know the, okay. I'm not
0: saying that I'm not aiming this at you. I'm, th- I think people... it, I
1: think it should be though. I might be the only one that's disappointed. With no, Matt no, Reed no. You're whatsoever. not. You're not.
0: There's a lot of people who really like dislike <laughs> yeah. Matt Reed vehemently. And my my whole thing is Matt Reed shouldn't have expectations because he's a guy who kind of came up from nothing. Um, he had good chemistry yeah. with Sean Couturier for a bit, and he was a pretty decent defensive player, but. I mean, with an undrafted free agent, if you can be a bottom six NHLer, that's a, that's a win.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I still, I do love Matt Reed based off his entire tenure, but I was thinking of, I was trying to, trying to think of other guys that could have been regarded as a disappointment. I don't know how people are going to view as Matt Reed, but but like, you know, you're right. He was a collegiate free agent signed out of Bemidji State. people -State,
0: People consider him a disappointment. They consider Michael Raffle a disappointment, which is yeah. utterly hilarious to me. It's very similar to the Matt Reed situation, where this is a bottom six forward if you're lucky, and f- through some faults of management was placed uh, unfairly in the top six. Yeah, which I think that's where a lot of the 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 the, the, the bad perceptions, if you will, about Michael Raffle come from. But he has been a fine Philadelphia Flyer. He has done his role. And done basically what you need him to do. And, yep. but people nonetheless are, are extremely disappointed with Michael Raffle and, and consider him one of the worst players on the team. Get rid of Raffle. Like, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. But Reed and Raffle are similar players in that regard.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. They're both, they're two players in recent years that have been just kind of forced higher up in the lineup than maybe they should have been. Uh, And I would never categorize Michael Raffle as a disappointment. And I could, again, I'm sure. There might be some people that do. I I was throwing Matt Reed out there to go back to that. Uh, just because he, you know, collegiate free agent, but he ended up getting 24 goals in his first season in 2011-12. And then he had another, he had 22 goals two seasons later. So I think there may have been some hope that he was going to consistently just kind of produce 20 goals and be a nice two-way player and kill penalties and you know, be a pretty nice lineman with Couturier. And then um, outside of those two seasons, outside of those 46 goals, he ended up only having um, 41 goals in 283 regular season games uh, in five other seasons with the team. So he was injured a lot, and then he just kind of teetered out pretty pretty bad towards the end of his career. I remember he came back late in 2017-18, played almost like 20 games, killed some penalties, and people were trying to make a push for him to be a regular again. But uh, he just... I, don't know, I was looking at more from. He had that really strong, you know, almost put twenty five goals in his rookie season, and then never got back to it, and kind of just pissed people off for the last few seasons. So, Michael Raffle, I, I don't. I hope nobody's disappointed. In Michael Raffle. I don't remember there being a lot of hype when he was signed um, from like out of Europe, and I remember he started pretty slow here too. But he is. They're both. They're both guys that were. The main reason why they were hated by fans or disliked by fans is the fact that they were forced higher up in the lineup than they should have ever been playing. I don't think anybody will complain about Michael Raffle's season's season this year. And this is the role he should have been playing the whole time.
0: Oh yeah. He he's should have never in.
1: been on the fucking top line. Uh, like it was in 2014, 15. Like that is, that's asinine. Not because of him. Uh, he's not the one that's walking in the locker room going, you know what? I'm on the first line today. And then Craig Ruby was like, you know what? He is on the, let's put it, let's get him up here. Like the, the team Bring needs to build up. players. Yeah. They, you know, they're the one calling the shots. So, if he's in the top six, uh, it's not. It's because of either poor coaching or poor management. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, what about some other uh, other well, uh, fringe guys here?
0: Let's talk about one of the guys on the current squad. That oh, this baby. guy, I think a lot of people at this point would make a case for disappointing. I would call him frustrating, but uh, this is certainly a point for debate. Shane Gostisfer.
1: Yeah, this is a. Possibly a work in progress towards being a disappointment. And uh, I mean, I think a lot of it hinges on this season, or not maybe this season, but next season. If we're working off uh, the idea that they're going to come back for 2019 20, I'm talking about
0: 2020 Uh There's a decent yeah. amount of hype about Ghost coming out of college, right? Because he was a one of won a led, a, what is led it, union Final college. Four? The Frozen Four.
1: Yeah, led Union College to a NCAA title in 2014, being out Johnny Gaudreau, uh, and had an insane title game, like made a bunch of highlight real plays. Uh, then he played in a couple games in 2014-15, wasn't, didn't make a huge impact. 2015-16 obviously came in after Mark Streit broke his penis, had a Calder, almost won the Rookie of the Year trophy. Uh, lost our Temi Panarin, who was you know 35 at the time. So you got to give to the, uh, you know, you got to show show your elders respect, and that's what the league did. But then he had 2016-17 again played fine, but he didn't produce as much, and also had unlucky numbers because of a lower save percentage and just pucks weren't going in off the flyer sticks when he was on the ice. And then 2017-18, on the top pair with Froveroff, form a pretty pretty nice top pair. And then since then just hasn't been the same guy and uh, if it continues I consider that a disappointment because we saw we saw him at the height of what he could be in 2015 16. I don't know if he'll ever repeat that but at least the some sort of confidence in the skating and when he's controlling the puck has to come back and if he can get back to like even 2017 18 I don't think is a thing that should be out of the realm of possibility Uh, because 2015-16 he was just doing surreal things on the ice like some of the keeps he had some of the goals he was scoring the point streak like it was all insane and I don't expecting him to go reproduce that all that is nuts but I think the level play in 2017-18 I think is repeatable and it right now I don't have a ton of confidence that it could happen again I think it still can
0: I think the main thing is I'm okay with the point total from 18-19 like it's not it's not perfect, but I yeah. mean, 37 is still a pretty respectable defenseman point total. It's, you know, having the solid defense on top of that because 17-18, he was so good because he was being, he was very responsible in the defensive end and really yeah. stepped it up in that regard, and he was also putting up great offensive numbers. He had 65 points that year, but then 18-19, just not that good defensively. He could get We saw him get burned a lot, and then... Uh. This year we saw him get burned a ton this year and was just insane. never looked good in any regard.
1: I mean, this year was, uh, yeah, he just, every game early in the season, he had at least one or two shifts where he was just like, what are you doing out there? And then he had some games where he would flash confidence and played well. And unfortunately, I, I think to me, what looked like the game he played with the most poise and, you know, the most confidence move of the puck is probably the last game before the season went on pause when he returned against the Bruins. I thought he looked pretty good in that game. Obviously, he didn't produce any points because the team got shot out, but I thought he uh, made a couple nice moves at the blue line, and I think he had a pretty good slap shot on won the power plays. So, again, he's not there yet. He still has a chance to turn it around, but if it keeps going the way it is and going, you know, kind of downwards, uh, I think he would be considered one of the more disappointing flyers ever.
0: I mean, people are talking about if the NHL has compliance buyouts, some people are talking about buying him out, which I think is insane because
1: his, yeah, cap, hits,
0: his cap hits manageable. It's it's actually a good yep. cap hit. It's one of the better Hexdall contracts. And you're you're telling me that there's not one team in the league that'd be willing to take a shot on Shane Goss to spare based on his previous production. I mean, 65-point defenseman is not something you just see lying around.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the... Uh, that's. That's why the idea of trading goes to me is a little... It's a little difficult, because right now he's not playing strong enough to actually warrant any kind of return, I think. I think it would have been kind of hard to sell teams that... Or at least maximizing the return of what you're going to get for him, because he just hasn't been near the top of his game for a little bit of time now. And then once he gets towards that again, well, if he starts playing well again, he starts looking like the old ghost. Do you want to trade that? Like, if he's starting the trend back In the right direction and there's now one less year on his contract and it looks like he's found his game again why what's the urgency to trade him then yeah so i I don't get that either like i don't think he's it's we're not talking about like an eight million dollar contract and there's a a, a good amount of term left we're talking about like you said a pretty manageable one where if he figures it out and he is gonna and he would be slotted as a third pairing guy that just is able to Attack teams in the offensive zone because he's given high leverage situations because he's on the third pair with less defensive responsibility. I think, like, why? What's the point of rushing that guy out of the building? I guess, like, I I don't understand the argument for that.
0: Yeah. But so ultimately, as far as what we're discussing here, I'd say he's frustrating on the verge of being disappointing. Yeah,
1: I'll say that. Yeah, that is true because he's these last two years have kind of been more. Frustrating because you know what could be there, and he hasn't lived up to it. I guess, but yeah, that's a that's fair. And, and the then other, what about? Yeah,
0: I, I was going to say the other guy on the current team that people talk about on that note almost
1: daily. Yeah,
0: Jaka Voracek, Jake Voracek, and I mean, uh, more frustrating. Tough one, but I'd say I definitely veer more towards the frustrating angle with him.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I, I was thinking disappointing because uh, I guess. Just he would be the, I guess when people look back on these teams from the, you know, the early 2010s or like the mid 2010s till now, I think the two guys they'll think about are Drew and Voracek probably. And Drew, again, if you think Drew is the problem, I I don't think there's really a discussion to be had because you, I mean, you know, what's the point? But Voracek is somebody I think that a lot of people just find, like, they just don't it's definitely more frustrating.
0: Well, we talked about <laughs> because, like,
1: the return in the he, he, like his return as a as an asset in the Carter deal has hasn't been disappointing. He's had some pretty good seasons. It's just I guess been more frustrating because it seems like every other season is the season he decides to be near the top of the league and like producing assists or like his. Underlying numbers will go up and down, so I don't really don't go up and down. It's more the point totals, but and the way he plays sometimes I can see that being frustrating. So I guess he's more frustrating than disappointing.
0: Yeah. Uh, so like for we talked about flyerish non flyers a few weeks ago with Bill Mats on on this yes. program. And you could argue that Jake Voracek is one of the least flyerish current flyers. Even though oh, I, yeah. I love a lot of things about Jake Voracek. I mean, he has got the same beard as gritty. So how can you really argue he's not flyerish? But yeah, at the end of the day, he's not.
1: He's got orange hair.
0: He's got orange hair. He's he's not the biggest hitter. He's a very pass first guy. I actually had a good chuckle when I was playing NHL twenty the other day, and the announcer I scored a goal with Voracek, and the announcer's like the the. Shot first, Jake Voracek, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you serious?
1: You just looked around the room to make sure you're alone. You're like, wait a second, did everybody else hear that?
0: Like you know that GIF of the Jacksonville Jaguars fan holding out his hand, I'm like, what? Yeah, that was me.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is. That would be one of the last ways I would describe Jake, uh, Jake Voracek. I mean, I he is he yeah, he doesn't play very flyers ask style game you're right it's a lot of uh obviously pass first the guy loves to pass he hasn't met a pass he doesn't like to to meet or i mean give out there and
0: uh i mean the I've... most goals he scored in a single season is 23 he's not a goal no. scorer yeah, right? like it, it's a not, solid no. and every season or all but two seasons he's played with the flyers and one of them was shortened he has had 20 goals or more yeah
1: and I think I think that's the reason why people get frustrated with him because they see how big his contract is, and even though he is a guy that, again, is relatively near the top of the like assist leaders around the league, and a guy that you should know was past first. When there's you know, it doesn't really matter what type of player you are. If you're getting paid that much, some fans are going to see that and not breaking twenty goals, and then go huge disappointment. In a way, I mean, in a way, twenty goals should be. Bare minimum, but when you think about how the style of play that Jake plays, I mean, it's not really surprising that he doesn't break 20 often. I pick, I picture him carrying the puck through all three zones and entering the zone with speed and looking for any kind of assist. And uh, even on the power play, I mean, even the power play they run him as a guy that should be passing more than shooting. So I mean, check uh,
0: at the the end of the day, with the Flyers, has scored 0.83 points per game. So, you know, not quite a not, point per game, but pretty close. Not bad. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, and he's been a, a very solid guy. I I haven't been disappointed by him. I think he's been a great part of the return. It, like, you can argue all day about the Carter and Richards trades, right? But the value for the Carter trade has worked out incredibly Oh, well.
1: immensely. Yeah. yeah, it's been... I mean, Carter... And, I mean, um, Voracek and Katori alone are... I, I think they outweigh what... Again... The argument now is, you know, the, the Flyers will probably need another guy that will just score goals. They need another Travis Connecting guy, a guy that you can count on when things are going well. You can throw him on the ice and there's a pretty good chance he's going to create something. Uh, and Jeff Carter was a the guy they were talking about during the deadline, but outside of team needs at the moment, I feel like Katori and Voracek are at the end of the day going to be more important than Carter ever would have been. Like Katori well,
0: if, if, you know, that team had cup, But well, we can talk yeah. about that. Well,
1: time. I mean, I think, I don't know. I think Couture is a, I mean, Couture is a pretty big asset. You look at the, the Hawks needed Taves, the Kings needed Copatar, um, and the Blues needed Ryan O'Reilly. And even if you wanted to push the, the, that argument a little bit more, the Cavs needed Backstrom. So like all these teams need a, a borderline elite, if not elite two-way center to do the dirty work and also produce. And I think the Flyers have one of the best in the league could argue maybe the best, but definitely one of the best in the league. So, and it seems like they're getting uh, more of the pieces around. So maybe uh, the, the hatred towards those Carter and Richards deal, maybe that gets lessened if the flyers
0: were to um. Well, I, I, I don't know if as many people hate those now anyway, just because Wayne Simmons was a very popular player. Wayne here. Simmons. Yeah. And somebody else I wanted to mention, Braden Shen was a <laughs> yeah, guy. I was
1: that, thinking about that too.
0: You know, there were mixed opinions about Braden Shen, was uh, a key piece at the time of the Mike Richards deal. Oh yeah, no, Brady he was. Yeah. was one of the biggest prospects in hockey when the Flyers acquired him for Richards.
1: Yeah, I forget. Oh my God, fourth? Uh, no, I forget where he went. Over he was a. I think he won the top four though, and then he ended up. I think he fourth in two thousand nine. I'll forget. I mean, but anyway, he was a guy. Yes, when he was traded to the Flyers, there was a lot of hype about him coming out of the OHL and he's supposed to be this huge fifth overall fifth oh I thought oh I think the Luke Shine, I think Luke Shen went fifth overall too I think both the Shens went fifth overall <laughs> that's why I was like there's no way he went fifth but anyway uh and he was supposed to be I mean he was getting hyped up as like another Mike Richards type so the idea was the flowers were just getting a younger version of Mike Richards and then it was fine in Philadelphia but he just never really hit he was never at the Mike Richards level, and he wasn't really a guy that I wouldn't say he was a consistent two-way player at five-on-five. Five here, um, I don't really know if you'd really say that fair how he's played in St. Louis, but uh, he—I I mean, he's he did had put to up play some good seasons.
0: Less of a role like that in St. Louis, though, where yeah, that's fair. He can kind of rely more on the guys around him, like yeah. the and the Senkos whole out there and Ryan O'Reilly's.
1: Yeah, and I think the whole thing too is when he was. Uh, they've been using a lot at center in St. Louis apparently, and that was a whole thing in Philly was he didn't get as long a look at center as he should have and was moved to the wing. And then that could have played a factor in it too. But yeah, disappointing. I think I I was thinking about adding him to the list. I think he, there's an argument for that, but I think he ultimately ended up having fine seasons in Philly. And I think he got traded because of, uh, I mean, the return, I think was worth it. And also the GM at the time was, Looking more at the two first round draft picks for a guy on a team that was in uh, the middle of the league and probably wasn't a guy that was putting the team over the top and you could get a good return for. But yeah, Brayden Chen is, is a good one. What year did he you you go fifth overall? Or did 2009. You already... It was 2009.
0: Okay. All
1: right. Yeah. So the, yeah. But, and yeah, I forgot. I mean, I didn't forget. Simmons is, uh, is probably a reason why people may not hate that uh, the Mike Richards trade. And also Jeff Carter. I mean, Jeff Carter was somebody too that, like, he. I. I mean, I'm sure some people. You were talking about Primo Lindros. I think there was a time people looked at Jeff Carter and thought he was a disappointment because he makes skating look easy.
0: People. He still was an think effortless. Jeff Carter's a disappointment. <laughs>
1: yeah, because he just he looks like he's lazy out there because he takes these long strides that just get him by people. It, it was always I always thought that was an interesting argument because people talk about like. They're like, oh, look at the way he's He's just not trying out there. It's not putting any effort in it. And then he would just blow by people with the puck. And I'm like, well, does he need to fucking change the way he – does he need to change the way it looks like he's skating if he's blown by everybody and scoring 46 goals in a season? Like maybe he's doing fine. Maybe he's not. But, you know, there's always the same people that didn't like Drew or probably the same people that don't like Carter.
0: You know, Jeff Carter is a guy that people hate for the – they you know talk about him shooting high and wide, they talk about that yep. that Black oh, game, six, game. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, game. game game six, six, yeah. Yeah, right right into the goalie. That's the stuff they think about with Jeff Carter and they don't think about the fact that this is one of the best pure goal scorers the Flyers have had in a while. And a I minute. Mean, he's the last closest guy they've had to fifty, right?
1: Uh, I like forty six and oh eight, oh nine. I would yeah. I think he's the last guy to break forty. I think. I'm trying to think of uh yeah, he had to have been the last guy to book 40. Hartnell had 36 one year, I think. And that was... But, I mean, he might... He is the best pure goal scorer the Flyers have had since the full season lockout. Is that fair to say? Since the full
0: season... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, think so. I think you're right, yeah. Since yeah, John McHair, cause...
1: yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, 5 0 6 were uh, Richards and Carter's rookie years, so...
0: They've had a lot of multi-purpose guys. You know, your Simone Gagnés, your Peter Forsbergs, your Claude Girouxs. Uh, yeah. They've had guys like Yager. They've had guys like Hartnell. Like they
1: haven't had snipers recently. I mean, even Connect. I mean, connecting okay. is the closest thing I think they've had to a sniper in a minute, and I don't yeah. think anybody's rushing out to say he is necessarily a sniper first like he is a guy that has he, he has the best shot on the team or maybe not the best shot on the team but he is a guy that i would expect he's the best goal scorer on the team right now and, and, and i think Lynn he's been simmons
0: would would pound the puck home a lot oh yeah he, he got a lot of goals don't get me wrong but you know it, simmons was he, he was a grinder right he was, it was they were was all blue collar yeah,
1: yeah it was they were all it was, he had all the tim kerr goals all the goals that were five feet from the net and end. But, but and he did have a couple of 30-goal seasons. And, Jeff um,
0: Carter, though, just had a shot, man. He just had a shot. He had a shot, yeah.
1: And I, I just it, – it's just funny. I think, like, his his speed on the ice in real game time, I think, just blows people's – like, it's – people can't compute it. Because I think about his most effective, like, penalty shot or breakaway moves. And every single – his biggest move was he would open up the blade forehand and then go on his backhand and he would score. And it would it would work a bunch of the times because he was just so fucking fast. And like when you're thinking like, you know, an NHL goalie should be able to read a forehand backhand move on a guy that's just barreling down on him. But I, I think it was just Jeff Carter's speed when he was actually at the top of his game. That was just uh, it was pretty that and a shower just rid- a ridiculous combination. So
0: I think at but, the end of the day, Craig, it's another case where people call this guy disappointing. Uh, a failure as a flyer because he wasn't a flyerish flyer he wasn't a guy that yeah no, that's true w- appeared to be giving it at all at all times he wasn't a guy that uh, had the passion and everything the game the game came to him he was naturally talented and uh it didn't always look like he was trying his hardest so people didn't really yeah, think he was that good that is, that is... was very good
1: there's something that ironically works towards like being naturally gifted at the game and having things come easy to you in the game kind of works against uh being likable well, in the city of Philadelphia I think like they get they got to know you're trying to put in an effort and sweat and blood and all this kind of stuff so yeah maybe the uh the effortless skating that got him by all of his opponents wasn't uh was not beneficial to get, being liked by the city <laughs> possibly yeah um I mean uh so do we want to talk about La yet? I just want to get La out of the way. I just want to get he done with
0: this. Really you really want to talk about Vinny? Wait, are we, are we, I mean, we can
1: talk about, uh, you yeah, got one, two, three other guys. Four. Don't really guys we don't <laughs> have to
0: mention most of these other guys. Like, some of these are, are can, just joke names down here.
1: Adam Oates, I didn't enjoy his 14 games. I mean, that is, I wouldn't a
0: disappointing trade because they yeah. gave up a lot for Adam Oates and a he lot. played 14 games and didn't do shit here. <laughs>
1: didn't do shit. One of the
0: best offensive players and he didn't do shit here. Uh, yeah. Darian Hatcher, I thought was a big disappointment, but that's also more on Bob Clark for getting slow players in a fast-paced yeah. NHL.
1: That was Darren Hatcher and Mike Ratchey fall into the uh, disappointment in Clark's idea of what would be effective in the uh, the post-lockout NHL. <laughs> the adding big, slow guys, yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah.
0: Uh, and, then, uh, and then your boy, I mean... Oh, I was just joking around. Mike Maniluk, who was great in the <laughs> AHL and didn't do shit with the Flyers, <laughs> I'll hang up and listen. And uh, Vinny Prospol, who... Yeah, Vinny Prospol, I, yeah. I, I wanted to joke about Vinny Prospol because he... Um, I mentioned on a previous hyperbole I think it might have been the... The fuck we did last week, uh, where Vin yeah. just crushed it in the AHL the season he came up and was still amongst the point leaders at the end of the year and uh, just never quite had an NHL career up to that. But that's also just minor league numbers where like Scott Lawton, for instance, was friggin' phenomenal in uh, juniors, right? But oh, yeah, 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 he was he pretty that good kind of point production in the NHL and yeah he's not disappointing because I just wanted to joke based on last. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, yeah, that was, I didn't know the stuff about, uh, I didn't know Vinny Prostable had a fucking killer AHL career. And, uh, yeah. Cause last, last fuck we talked about the, uh, short-term flyers that made a huge impact. So we talked about Prostable cause he played under hundred games with the flyers, but he had two different, two different stints with the team. And one of them was, uh, being part of that 08 run. And he had a uh, that huge series against the Caps and uh had pretty good chemistry with Brer in that postseason, if I remember correctly. So and uh yeah, Mike Manilong and uh Scott Lawton yeah, he had pretty decent OHL numbers if I remember correctly. Like him and Michael DeCall, who are like two guys who's with the Islanders now who were guys that had Pretty pretty huge OHL numbers, and then haven't really done much in the NHL yet. So uh, maybe a uh, Lawton's turned out to be fine. I was gonna I, Lawton had thought, crossed my mind at first because he was another guy that was a first round pick in 2012, was getting compared to Richards early on in his career. Didn't have the best start to his NHL career. Got put down in the AHL, but now I think he's. Uh, he's kind of changed his game all through his game to be a fine bottom six guy. Like I think I count him as a valuable bottom six guy right now.
0: However, another first round pick from this era has not quite worked out. And I, oh, I think yeah, we, we need to talk about him. before the gang comes after me, the Morin mafia is going to come <laughs> out of the woodwork. Cause we're going to talk about Sammy Moore in here. And I think as far as like disappointing draft picks go for the Flyers, Sam Morin, definitely. I don't think it's justified to Sam Moran, but it's his placement in the draft, where he was drafted, and yeah. the fact that he seemed very flyerish at the time.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's more of the disappointment it's the mentality of the pick. And I I guess you could use that for another pick in that draft though. You could use that for Tyrell Goldborn, honestly. Like that was a no, I don't think any Flyers prospect expected Goldburn to do anything as a Flyer, but it was, the, it was the mentality that went into the pick of taking him in the third round. So, And the same with Marin. Yeah, like a big, slow defenseman that's supposed to be the next Chris Pronger. Well, the, the entire league is trying to remove the clutch and grab and make the speedier game. He was supposed to be the next Chris Pronger and shut down opponents. And uh, early on, you kind of felt like that probably wasn't going to pan out and not a guy you should use the 13th overall pick on. And uh, well, here we are. And it's not official yet, but he's looking to be one of the bigger busts in uh, franchise history. And honestly, and again, yeah, he was
0: drafted 11th overall. is 11th just, overall. It 11th. just didn't seem like a good draft pick at the time. Yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah. he's six, six. So people are like, this guy could potentially <laughs> be a just behemoth on defense. And th- that is an exciting thought is to have just this, this, giant back on defense to smash people who come in and say, don't screw with my goalie, I will destroy you. <laughs> yeah, But that's and why he... we wanted Shea Weber. That's why we wanted Chris Pronger here. Like Flyers fans crave this kind of just giant to destroy their opponents.
1: Yeah, and I think, uh, and honestly, I think uh, Ryan Pulak won that same draft, uh, the guy on the Islanders, and went he was... OK, so he was another guy that I remember seeing him up around there and I thought he would have been a better version of what they thought Marin was going to be. And I think that's what he's pretty much turned into in the NHL as a guy with a slap shot that can play more of a rugged game. So, you know, the options were there. It was just kind of disappointing the way they went. And again, with Marin, I feel bad just the way his... You know, even though I felt like he probably wasn't gonna amount to too much, I still feel bad for the way it's kinda gone down for him the last couple of seasons with That's all the injuries. It's it sucks that he's not gonna even get to it looks like, you know, kind of defend our like and work against our stances. Yeah, I want him to at least get a chance to prove us wrong. Like I this I I don't wanna I mean this feels shitty to like not even see him be able to go out and you know, maybe he comes out and has a really strong year next year and maybe he lands the job somewhere else. But right now it's looking like he may never be never get a real shot in the NHL, which is unfortunate. And that, I mean, it sucks for anybody. And and honestly, going back to that draft too, they took uh, Robert Higg in the second round. I wouldn't consider him a disappointment. I think he's been, he's been as advertised. Uh, to me, he would That's be considered true. a more frustrating player just because of how much everybody wants to defend him over every little thing he does, seemingly. But he's been, he's, uh, he's come as sold as advertised. I think he was regarded as a guy that could play the type of game he's playing now in the league. And, uh, again, this season, not, not too bad. It was pretty decent this year. So maybe we'll get more of that uh, out of him going forward. But, yeah, Sam Moran I had on. Oh, I, I do want to point out a couple other names here, too, Steve, that uh, maybe not like – I don't know how much hype they had to everybody else, but I remember – and it happens every year collegiate free agents man people lose their minds over these guys uh, wow Baker, man. baby yeah the the rangers got jimmy jimmy vc holy crap there's no way that is wow that's unheard of and like or like you know he got traded to the rangers and everything and uh all these guys always get hyped up and they never drink drake Cajula. uh and, like, all these guys, they always get hyped up. And the Flyers got two of them. And they got the cream of the crop one of these years. In 20, 2017, they signed Mike Vecchione. You remember him? Yeah, two games. How could I forget him? never did anything. Two games to close out that season just to give Flyers fans hopes at the end of that year. And then he never came out to the NHL. And then I think he went to the Blues. And then Alex Lyon is another guy who has had some games in the NHL but, uh, again, was the top free agent goalie that year uh and people were really high on him and thought he was going to have some kind of role with the franchise uh going forward and he's been here for a while and i think there we had kind of projected him to be a backup one of these seasons maybe but i don't think that's going to happen now unless he's a backup next year which i don't i don't think i'll be a fan of (laughs) so he those two are two guys that maybe not the biggest and maybe not at the top of the list of disappointments, but still, considering what was expected when they signed here, never lived up to expectations.
0: College free agents.
1: College free agents. Yeah. Craig, it's time. Uh, it's time. We it's can, time to talk about them.
0: We can end it up. Talk about the four. I, I wanted one big disappointment to to finish this sucker with.
1: Well, you nailed it, and uh, and we're doing it, uh, and that would be Vincent LeCavier. And good lord, uh, summer of twenty thirteen signed a five-year deal with a cap at a $4.5 million a year, 58 points, 28 goals uh, in 133 games for the Flyers from 2013-14 to 2015-16, 37 points, 20 goals in 2013-14. That's still just – knowing I watched all those games and knowing how bad – actively bad he was on the ice during those games, to see he still broke 20 goals is it, – it's something. Like, that's one of those things. That and Ryan White's 11-goal season, I'll, I'll never get. Uh, and then he had 20 points in 57 games in 2014-15, eight of which were goals. And then in 2015-16, I think he had an assist in seven games before he got traded to the Kings, who, of course, gave us Jordan Wheel. How could we forget? And I think uh, Carson Torinsky was the pick. The, the Flyers got Wheel and a pick, and I think it became Carson Torinsky. So, uh, really paid out. But Vince LeCavier, when he was here, was a pain to watch. And it was... He was so slow. So slow. So bad. uh, And they really tried to make him (laughs) mainstay on the flyers and actually be good. And he just was not actively bad and was just way past his prime when it was he was clear with the flyers he, it was so bad
0: lost a step but a number of steps
1: he lost nearly all the steps yeah and uh this, this, this were kind of a big part of his game uh, the whole offensive aspect of his game was uh the reason why he signed with the flyers and even though he had 20 goals that season i still think and he was bringing goals. down still bringing down uh, i think he spent most of 2013-14 on the line with shannon simmons and um yeah, that's not that was their second line that season and that's not a line that can really do much at five and five.
0: <laughs> I remember <laughs> Or like being trying to play a five and five. So excited for that to be the second line. Like I thought Yeah, it this was is gonna be a good team. This is gonna be great. And Holmgren rushed out and they was like, I oh, am it was... getting this motherfucker.
1: Well the, yeah. the thing
0: is it wasn't just the Flyers who were in on Finney. There were a number of teams that instantly went out for him after he was bought out.
1: Yeah, that that was the whole thing, was he was bought out. And I think uh, it was one of those things where there was a bunch of teams talking to LeCavier, and then he agreed to the Flyers before free agency even happened, if I remember how it went down correctly. like I think the announcement of LeCavier joining the team happened while the 2013 postseason was wrapping up. But it just, man, like he just was so... Oh, God. And it's also, too, just how much, you know, knowing that he was one of those guys on an 0-4 team and just knowing how much he had been a pain in the ass down in Tampa for all those years. You know, maybe maybe the Flyers are going to get a little bit of that towards the end of his career, and he would actually help out the team a lot and uh, just, uh, yeah, just became an eyesore for a couple seasons <laughs> and then made the Flyers look like idiots for a week or two after he got traded to the Kings because he started throwing up points somehow. But I think this is, uh, this is a good one to to wrap up for most disappointing in my opinion.
0: Yeah, definitely. I it just Vinny, man, I think we all kind of fooled ourselves into thinking that this guy still has enough left in the tank. And these young guys that the flyers got in the, the Mike Richards trade will be enough to, to really get the best out of him. And I think we were all kind of traumatized from, from 20, from 2004 <laughs> still. And that happens sometimes where you have this impression in your mind of a guy at his prime at his peak and think he's still got to have something, right? This guy was gotta phenomenal. have something.
1: Yeah. Just that. That's I, I talked myself into that this year with uh, Corey Perry when he was, cause he was towards the, uh, the end of, uh, you know, it's towards the end of his career knew the fires were probably going to end out like, a, he was only going to get like a one year deal. So, uh, as well, just take a flyer on him. You know, he may have gotten no pun intended, unfortunately. But like, you know, maybe he actually uh, gives the Flyers a twenty twenty five goal season, playing limited minutes, and uh, all those years of hating him actually pays off in the end. But was it to be? Was not to be? And look, have a pretty bad. Yeah, pretty, pretty,
0: pretty, pretty bad.
1: So, pretty who bad. would you personally, to you, who was who has been the most disappointing flyer ever? I think, unfortunately for me, I, I think it does have to be. The obvious case of Bisgoloff just for a lot of a lot of reasons because uh, yeah, I mean, th- and he's the one that I think has probably pissed me off the most on this list when it came to uh, expectations and how they panned out because he was a guy like I said that was a, I mean that was a team I thought twenty eleven twelve that set up like the Flyers going to be pretty good for a couple more seasons and I thought he could be the guy that kind of pulled the Flyers together and actually put together a run good enough to win and then. Obviously that went in the exact opposite direction and the flyers we're kind of reeling that ever since then, but, uh, hopefully, uh, Carter Hart, man, if Carter Hart ends up on this list in a couple of years. I'm going to be pretty upset.
0: Yes. I, will I be don't think it's happening. Filled with regret.
1: Just I, a lot of regret. Watch a lot of flyers go miss pucks over our lives. That, that'll be pretty upsetting.
0: Yeah. I mean, Briz has to be the guy because not only was he disappointing, it's just, he never took things seriously he never really showed us oh, even a sliver of the promise that, that we wanted from him. You know, the, the, yeah. the stabilization and goal, which the flyers have been looking for since basically the mid eighties. Like it's, yeah. you wanted that so bad. You craved that so bad. And that's what we were promised when they traded for his rights and signed him to that huge deal. And never even came close. Never gave us a glimmer. Like at least Vinny scored 20 goals. Briz didn't even, Briz led in 20 goals his first game, I think, but it's, (laughs) and like Gratton at least had a 20 plus goal season too.
1: Yeah. Uh, Checkmonic,
0: we determined is more frustrating than actual, I mean, he still is disappointing on a level, but at the end of the day, Checkmonic has great numbers. Yeah. That's what I was
1: going to say. I think like, uh, LeCavier, too, at least, had a twenty goal season. At least a, a couple of these other guys, at least, had some kind of redeeming quality. I guess for maybe not Degg. <laughs> Degg <It> sucked, <laughs> like, but who cares? Really? Yeah, like that was a drop yeah.
0: in the bucket. That team still made the playoffs and was still yeah. really good. It didn't really hurt the team that much. Yeah. Brizgalov actively hurt that team. That team would have been better without Ilya. Yeah, Brizgalov. yeah, no, that's, I think that's fair. I don't think anybody can argue that that team is better without him.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of worried about Shane being on this list in a couple years, but I'm thinking, uh, I'm, I'm staying positive with Shane still. Give me five bad seasons of Shane fear, and then I'll believe that he's finally done. That's where I stand with Ghost.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm you sure know, people love that. I, I just, I love the Ghost shimmy so much in that, that classic slap shot. Yeah. I just want I it just, back, but I'll take the I'll slap shot. Back. You don't necessarily need to have the shimmy back, but that, that powerful ass shot from the point, that is yeah. a thing of beauty.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's just all this stuff. I think for him, honestly, it just it all comes back to the confidence of the puck. Because the slap shot, too, I think. That, his uh, anticipation and willingness to try and initiate passes in a neutral zone, too. He's really good at that, and I feel like we haven't seen a ton of that this year. And, um, I mean, just the edge work, too. I feel like we haven't seen him, you know, skating uh, with his skates pointed at 9-3 uh, and three a lot this year. So... Whatever. I, I think it's still in him. I think it'll eventually come back and we'll see uh, return the form for Ghost at some point. But if not, maybe uh, he might be up there. But right now, Briz is the number one on this list. I don't Far think away, anybody's
0: going to beat Briz out. Like, uh, no, 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 no,
1: no. Nobody's beating Briz. I'm saying he might be higher up on that. He might be he might be working his way towards the uh, the grant level, maybe, at some I don't point think, in time. I
0: don't, I don't think he's he, there. I don't know if he can reach that level, because I think...
1: So. <laughs> okay, all right. Well,
0: because Go- no, Ghost fair. at least gave us some good memories. I think to be a true I, crushing disappointment, you need to give us no good memories.
1: Yeah, and that is true. That 2015-16 season, that was a lot of... That run to the postseason was fun that his point streak was a lot of fun that like a lot of that season was based on him coming up and playing out of his mind so that that is fair there's like, one
0: if there's a list of like can hang a hat on. once promising flyers that never got back to their heights or whatever yeah. back to their peak like that's that's the list that yeah. first might be the top. yeah flyers on.
1: that uh, yeah flyers that disappoint you yeah i think that yeah, i think he would be pretty good on that list
0: <laughs> that dis- you know what <laughs> You really? I don't know why you, you got
1: it for Ghost. I don't know why. You're yeah, hey, Ghost. Yeah, there we go. No, no, I don't. I, I can't wait to. You're see the ghost one who keeps talking again.
0: about him. You're the one who's.
1: I am. Look, I'll say this: I like hockey. Love hockey. That's what I'll go out on. I miss, just miss hockey. I just forget if Shane, I forget how Shane plays. I don't remember how any of these guys play hockey. I haven't watched it in years now. So.
0: Well, Wrap up. Uh, home, Friz. You're our winner, and <laughs> yeah, Priz, congrats. congrats. I. Crack open a Bud Heavy and and cheers yourself on this one. Uh, You have no donkey sauce and may God have mercy on your soul. Folks, if you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad.
1: Yeah, I'm writing a piece on why I want Shane to be a trader for a couple firsts. Uh, I'm going to have that out by tomorrow, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there.
0: Excellent. (laughs) You can reach me at FlyPurboli or at Este Bomb, but make it FlyPurboli for all of your hockey needs.
1: I this might be the loopiest I've ever been at the You're end of the loopy, I'm ready to get yeah, I'm ready this to is I'm ready up. So, the quarantine hit me pretty hard today. I'm I got, I'm up in the quarantine fields a lot today. I'm so gonna,
0: I'm going to be up for like three hours editing this, and you're the one that's working. <laughs> uh, you can reach me at Fly or at Bomb. Uh, Follow Broad Street Hockey and BSH Radio. Be sure to check out all the other great podcasts we have going on. We have some phenomenal stuff going on. Also might have a little treat going on, a little uh, crossover with another SB Nation blog later this week. I'm very excited about that, so stay tuned for for news on that front. Also, it's uh, Marvel week on SB Nation, so be sure to look for all of Steph's personal rankings on uh, every MCU film, her favorite Guardians of the Galaxy, because if anybody is an expert on everything Marvel related, it's certainly Steph Driver. (laughs)
1: Steph loves movies. She always says that. She says she's a big pop culture buff.
0: You know, we're always talking about exactly what Thanos' motivations are. That's what Steph cares about at the end. Of the day. So please <laughs> add her with all of your Marvel questions. She will be delighted <laughs> by it and certainly won't fire me on the spot.
1: The good well, here's the good thing. We can't get strangled with social distancing. I don't think we get like we can't get yeah. So I think we're in the clear. It's
0: a good point. So. It's a good point. <laughs> <sighs> Folks, that's all we got. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate you staying with us through these hard times. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Please wash your hands.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Fly it is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other, other hockey things, things. Like, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell, and Craig, but not Craig Ruby, no, this isn't all those hockey guys, these are the guys who watch
0: the hockey sport, yeah! fly, slippery, flip, flip, fly Slap boogly floop floop flop boogly